Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Blastem, Ball Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You can follow me at FF Ball Blast. And I'm Jake. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Go smash that five-star review real quick before you keep listening. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, we are so close to the 2022 NFL draft. Boom, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum. Hey, that was pretty good. We just did watched- I do it? <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I don't know if people get it, but that little noise you make anytime a draft pick comes in, which by the way, is just one of the best noises ever. The WNBA draft was on the other night, which I don't really know all of the, the ladies in that draft. So, but it was still just so fun because every time that noise came on, it just reminds me of happy times. Now, Jake, it probably reminds you of terrible times because the Packers the like to like to hurt your heart <laughs> throughout the draft process. So much. But no, it, it's just a really, I, I just love the draft, entire draft process and draft night. But I will say, if you're not into the draft, but you love fantasy football, you got to pay attention just a little bit though afterwards, because some of these players might be coming for your favorite fantasy assets job. You know, like these fantasy players, you love to lock into those lineups. You might not be able to do that next year if these guys steal their job. So we're going to get into the meat sweats, the meat sweats. What players are we going to be so worried about during the draft that we're just sweating over after every pick? Like, please don't hurt my guy. So we're going to get into that today. It should be fun. Well, that's it. I'm done. Here come the meat sweats. (laughs) Yeah. Sweaty. uh, I'm going to be very sweaty and I'm going to put on my Thanksgiving pants, my sweaty Thanksgiving pants uh, while we watch this draft. I just made this way grosser than it needs to be. (laughs) Um, But I am sick, so I'm just going to plead the fifth and claim mental insanity for this segment of the podcast. Well, before we get into the meat sweats, we do have a few news and notes, nothing too crazy, but Derek Carr. Got a three-year extension, $121.5 million over three years. For, he's getting paid more than Dak Prescott per year. Listen, Woof. if the Raiders are happy with his performance, then who are we to judge? So good for him. And also, it's nice to give consistency to that new receiver that just stepped into town. And if nothing else, it's like he doesn't have to bounce back and forth between quarterbacks. So congratulations, Devontae, on that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we knew as soon as they traded for Devontae Adams, Derek Carr wasn't going anywhere. It was like the entire, I mean, Devontae Adams only went there to play with Derek Carr. Can you imagine? Like, get a room. Can you imagine if he forced his way out of the Packers and then like only went there to go play with Derek Carr and then they didn't, you know, pay up and keep him? That would be funny, but we'll see, right? I mean, I don't think Derek Carr is a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's a difference maker. Maybe he can be with Devontae Adams. Who knows? He has to stop fumbling. Like, I don't think that's if people are like, well, he hasn't had good wide receivers. I'm like, that's not, you know, that's not the reason he fumbles the ball the most in the league since he's entered and over the last two years, 24 fumbles over the last two years. Most Despite of the, the fact that that's he's insane. Not, usually <laughs> one of the ball. Usually we see the, like the fumble heavy quarterbacks be like the mobile guys who are running and putting the ball in risky positions. Derek Carr is just kind of standing there and, he also Please. has tiny hands. He also, oh, Derek Carr has well, sweaty maybe. palms all the time. <laughs> no, it's it's the voice from oil. the oil that he lathers himself up with. Those arms <laughs> that you know, like if he just stopped putting the oil on his hands, but how else is arms. he supposed to glisten? I don't know. Maybe start using his feet. He has to figure it out. It's not working for him. But anyways, good for him. He's got his money. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, and like. I don't. I think this is good for everyone around in the Raiders, right? That doesn't change anything for fantasy. Devontae Adams, I think, will have a nice year with him and so forth. Brandon Cooks got his extension with the Texans. Two years, $40 million. Nice little deal for him. Uh, now, to go with that, though, Texans head coach says he believe, he's a believer in quarterback Davis Mills for the future. Now... Is this just quarterback speak? Because is this good for Brandon Cooks if he's with Davis Mills? I remember last year us being like, it's going to be a great thing for Brandon Cooks if Tyrod Taylor stays in there the entirety of the season. <laughs> and Tyrod Taylor did not. Davis Mills stepped in and did well. I mean, Brandon Cooks is always going to be good if he's force-fed targets. And as of right now, that's still his spot on the team. I was hoping he would get traded to a team that could actually utilize him a little bit more and you wouldn't have to rely on sheer volume to get the fantasy points, but I'll take it. Yeah, and with the whole believer in Davis Mills things, I do believe that they'll stick with him this year, but it's more because the class is so bad at the quarterback position, and I think they're in a prime spot to suck, right? Get one of those top, probably first overall pick, second overall pick next year, and go get yourself a true franchise quarterback in either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or another quarterback that breaks out because you you know you don't have any of those in this draft class. There will be some in the 2023 class. So hey, if they give Davis Mills a chance and he kills it, good for them. They stuck with him. If he sucks and they're terrible because the roster is terrible, then they just get a true franchise quarterback, which is just a really nice position for them to be in. I like that. And good for Brandon Cooks then in 2023. Finally, maybe he'll he'll have a good quarterback. Uh, NFL Networks, this happened last week, but uh, Ian Rappaport re uh, reported that free agent running back Melvin Gordon was in discussions with the Ravens. Now, that was all the way back on April 8th, and we haven't heard anything since then. But we discussed on the last podcast how we were a little bit worried about J.K. Dobbins. And, you know, we haven't, we may have discussed this off the air, that we haven't heard anything about his injury, right? Like, is he weird? Is he recovering well? Like, is he on track to be back by training camp? And it seems like we're hearing stuff about every other player who's had injuries and, and not him. So 
does it concern you that they they're talking to Melvin Gordon, even if they don't bring him in, it's concerning, right? Yeah, they're flirting with everybody, and I don't like it. I mean, if you walk into a bar and the first thing that you do is scan for like folks you want to go hit on, then I start to get concerned about the person that you came in with. In this analogy, that person is J.K. Dobbins that walked in the door. The Texans, <laughs> or excuse me, the Ravens are scanning literally for anybody that they can. So it's like well, there's something to that. And dynasty managers spent up on that engagement ring for J.K. Dobbins. So, <laughs> Touche. listen, he might be a guy. If you roster, you might have the meat sweats on draft night. Worry that they might replace him because who knows? He's not on our list here of people, but he could be. It would have been a great, great guy to discuss. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Um, I I saw so the people you chose, Kate, and um, one of them is a head scratcher. And then same thing for you, Jake. Like, you say that every episode. Just yeah. let me be me. I don't know. Some head scratchers <laughs> here we'll have to discuss. But let's just hop into that now because we don't really have much other, you know, news in the NFL right now. We will have, I'm sure, a lot more as we get closer to the draft and especially after the draft. But let's start with our players that we're worried about when it comes to draft night. Jake, who's your first guy? The first one, I know we were talking about the lack of depth at quarterback or standout quarterbacks, but I'm still a little bit nervous for Jameis Winston. I want Jameis Winston to be the Saints starting quarterback for at least a year, hopefully much more, because for fantasy, I believe that that's the best path, not only for him, but for the people that he's throwing to. But I don't know if the Saints want Jameis Winston like I do. They were in the hunt for Deshaun Watson, and then that rug got pulled out under them, and they immediately went to Jameis. It was basically like pleaded with Jameis. It's like, yes, we need you now. We have no other options. His contract, though, is not really anything. It's the 24th most valuable contract amongst quarterbacks. Behind Sam Darnold, I want to point out that's not good. There's an easy out in 2023 for his contact, contract anyways. So the Saints sign Andy Dalton because, oh, we didn't get Jameis Winston. Let's get a quick, cheap backup because Taysom Hill is actually going to convert back to tight end, we found out. That's going to be the emphasis. There is no quarterback shenanigans there. But Winston, he's still rehabbing from his torn ACL. Rehabbing? I don't know. Is that like a fancier version? I would have said, well, I just rehabbing. I don't know. You, you pronounced <laughs> it odd, but I was going to let you go with it. You know, rehabbing. Have, like the rehabbing. Uh, whip. Cool whip. <laughs> like, I should be wearing a smoking jacket and uh, yeah, have a pipe, I guess. But anyway, so the Saints have a lot of uh, draft capital here to work with. They have the 16th and the 19th overall pick. They've got a mid-second round pick. It would not surprise me at all if the Saints went quarterback, wide receiver, and like left tackle or something because um, they have to replace Teron Armstead. But I also think Jordan Love is in play for teams on draft night. I think he could be a sneaky surprise to get traded on draft night. People have talked about him being, you know, if he was in this class, he would certainly be in the top couple, if nothing else. But basically, if they take any quarterback at any point, yeah, maybe they're like raw prospects that they want to work with. It still puts Winston's long-term value obviously in jeopardy and if he has any setbacks in that rehab Andy Dalton could start the first couple of games and they can transition right into a rookie quarterback so I don't know I'm nervous for him 
Yeah, and they've been hosting a, a lot of quarterbacks in this class for their top 30 visits. You know, they only get 30 of them. So, and they, they've used four of them on a quarterback. So I could see them. I mean, they traded for an extra first round pick in this draft class for a reason. Like, what would it be? I feel like you don't do that unless it's for a prime position like a quarterback. I don't think there's a quarterback in this class that's really worth that, but I could definitely see them using one of those first uh, picks for a quarterback or maybe using both of them to trade up, which again, I would not advise them to do, but they could do that. And that is a little bit worrisome for Jameis Winston, not only him, but also Michael Thomas. And if they take a wide receiver in that class, like, I want Jameis Winston to be the quarterback throwing to them. I don't want it to be Kenny Pickett. I don't want it to be Desmond Ritter. I really don't also want it to be Malik Willis because I think he's going to run too much to be like great for a wide receiver. So definitely something to keep an eye on. My person is Terry McLaurin. Boo. Commander's wide receiver. Hear me out. So they have yet to offer him a contract extension, according to Grant Paulson of The Athletic, which is fine. There's plenty of time. Lamar Jackson doesn't have an extension. We haven't seen most of the 2019 wide receivers get that extension yet. Plenty of time. But the issue is also Washington has the 11th overall pick. It's like the prime spot to take one of these top wide receivers. It's not too early. It's not. But you're still going to be in that like that perfect spot where you get the choice of like all the best ones. Maybe one of them's gone by then, but they're going to get a Garrett Wilson or a Jamison Williams or a Drake London or a Chris Olave if they want to, right? Maybe that's not the direction they're going to go in, but if they want to suffer, if they want Carson Wentz to have a chance at success, right? You would think they'd be looking to surround him with great talent. And I do think if they take, you know, a Wilson or Williams or even maybe Drake London, he could automatically be the best wide receiver on that team be that wide receiver one, even though I think Terry McLaurin's great. I just think these guys are super talented as well. And like you might say, well, Terry McLaurin has been there. That's true, but he doesn't have any connection with Carson Wentz yet. So ever, so whatever wide receiver they draft, they're starting at that same level with Wentz with that building that connection. So you don't know, you know, who's, who he's going to build that best connection with yet. And to be honest, McLaurin has put up, you know, pretty subpar numbers like they're they're good numbers and he looks talented out there but for fantasy he hasn't been that amazing been playing with bad quarterbacks but he saw 24 percent of the team's targets last year and put up just a thousand and fifty three yards obviously with you know hopefully going up from once from taylor heineke targets will mean more next year, but we don't know if that's true, but also he had no target competition whatsoever, right? Curtis Samuel was out almost the entire year. He's expected to be back this year. Diami Brown entering his second season. He didn't do much of anything. Logan Thomas missed 12 games. So now if you add a wide receiver in here, it's, it could get rough for him. And I I just think his name right now holds too much value. And I I don't know if he's going to live up to that. If they take a guy, I will say lastly, this is what I want to point out. Adam Humphreys. I like honestly forgot he was still in the league. He had the mm-hmm. second most targets on Washington last year. Second most that targets on the absurd. team. Adam Humphreys. I literally didn't even know he played last year. I, I swear to God, I didn't know he played last year. <laughs> Michelle Mundy, NFL researcher. NFL research never once even thought about him. And he had the second most targets on the team. So I am really scared about what's going to happen to him to Terry McLaurin's targets moving forward. I don't see his numbers increasing. That's all. And like Logan Thomas, he's going to be 
presumably, hopefully healthy this coming season. Like, um, you're adding in a lot of well, question marks this also, and variables. This is big time they draft one of these top guys, right? If they don't draft a guy in the first round, maybe in the second round, if one of the big names pop up and they get him, I'll be a little bit nervous. I still think he's a great wide receiver. So if he's the clear wide receiver one there, I'm still for drafting him in the middle of rounds next year. But if they take a wide receiver at number 11, I'm going to be really worried. So I'm going to be sweating it out. That's all. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I love Terry McLaurin, and I do think if they get him a quarterback, I just want to see him succeed. Well, they're stuck with Carson Wentz now for a bit. All right. They, they just traded for him and no the reports coming out with nobody else. Nobody else is trading for him. <laughs> they just bid against themselves. They gave away two third rounders and swapped seconds and paid the man um for no for no reason. Nobody wanted him. Kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Kate, who's your <laughs> who's your player that you're gonna be sweating it out on draft night? Um, so like this one, it's not so much me sweating out because I don't have a lot of like stake in this particular player but it's just cam Akers. it's the rams backfield i i think that the rams could be in a position to make a move for a running back on draft night and i think that move could hurt either one of these guys daryl henderson you have him uh set to hit free agency in 2023 he has played one season where he's played more than 13 games Never played a complete season in his career so far. He's just not stayed healthy anytime we see him pushed into this, like more of a workhorse role. You see him crumble like a little statue. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't work out um, as much as I want him to be healthy because I love the talent. I love everything about him. Cam Akers. Like, I think we got so caught up in the narrative last year of Cam Akers returning from injury that it didn't really matter what he looked like on the field. He started off like the first few carries. You were like, oh, he he didn't he was able to move and you got kind of excited about that. But in the postseason last year, average two point six yards per carry had zero touchdowns despite having uh, just as many carries as Joe Mixon zero touchdowns, two fumbles, like critical fumbles. And looking at the Rams, like they don't have a ton of draft capital, but I feel like they have enough draft capital in those like mid to late rounds where they could just like go in on one of these mid-tier running backs and throw them into the mix because now you have to worry about Cam Akers staying healthy. He's going to be a free agent in 2024. Daryl Henderson, you mean? No, Cam Akers is going to be a oh, uh, free agent in 2024. So, like, even he's only got, like, two more years. You have to start sort of thinking, especially if neither of these running backs can stay healthy, what is your plan? And I think that this is a kind of interesting place for them because there's not a ton of top-tier running back talent in this draft. Like, there's going to be plenty of mid-range guys that – could fall to them in the third and the fourth and the fifth. Like that yeah, might just steal the spot. I feel like, I feel like you're right. I, I do think they could use another running back in this room that could threat, threaten acres, maybe work role a little bit. If his injury, you know, if he, he doesn't come back from that injury fully, but they don't have a pick to one Oh four. 
till the pick 104 in the third. It's like really late. And they have a lot of holes. They lost a lot of talent. Like lost a lot of guys on offensive line. They lost their starting corner. I feel like they have too many holes to go running back. They but... drafted Tutu Atwell in the second round. Yeah. Like they are not <laughs> they had like they could they needed offensive line last year and they drafted Tutu Atwell. Yeah, that was like I don't think I'm not trust like obviously like I'm not gonna knock them. They know how to manage their team and they've done a very good job of trading away assets to get players and managing their caps, like no knocks on the Rams. But when it comes to their actual draft strategies, not always perfectly sound. Yeah. They're not beholden to your rational thought. Jeez. And I mean, this could also be a team that maybe you don't even have to worry about the draft, but maybe they were look. maybe they go look at a guy like Melvin Gordon. I mean, they did. They spent a fifth I think rounder on Sony smart... Michelle and then didn't even try to resign him, apparently. That would I guess be such a smart signing for them. Such a smart signing, I think. Yeah, Melvin I would like Gordon. that. But I also love Daryl Henderson, so that would make me sad. All right, Jake, let's get into your second guy. Who else are you worried about when it comes to draft night that maybe their job is taken or, you know, less workload next year? And this one, this one, I, I don't agree with. You're crazy. I I thought this might have been the head scratcher that you were alluding to at the top of the episode, but I'm here to talk about Travis Kelsey tonight. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Travis Kelsey has some causes for concern. Let me explain why. The Chiefs have more draft picks than any other team coming into this draft. They have 12. Four of those picks are in the first two rounds, including back-to-back picks in the first. They also have another two picks in round three. The Chiefs already overhauled their offensive line last year and did a really good job. They were ranked fifth by the end of the season by PFF, if you believe in that grade. And then their defense, defense. See, I keep saying words like a British person all of a sudden. I don't know. But their defense gave up the eighth fewest points in the league. They don't have huge, massive holes everywhere except for maybe cornerback, um, where they definitely could use that. And then depth, like they need defensive depth. But I don't think that there's enough glaring holes where they would overlook adding wide receivers and multiple wide receivers potentially in this draft. I know that they added Juju Smith-Schuster already. I know that they added Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was still better than whatever was behind Tyreek Hill last year. That's not saying a lot, but (laughs) he's still an upgrade over those guys. But if they add more rookie wide receivers, especially in those first couple of rounds, the big concern for me with Kelsey is now Mahomes historically has had two guys to throw to. It's Travis Kelsey and it's Tyreek Hill. And yeah, there's other options on the depth chart, but none were attention drawing for Patrick Mahomes. Now you have, again, Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm not saying is Tyreek Hill, but he's a very good wide receiver. MVS even, again, is better than what they had. Now add in one of these, one, just one of these premier wide receivers from this draft, maybe even two. And now is he going to get forced the targets? No, I don't think he will need to be because Pat Mahomes will be like, oh, look at all the things I can do now. And so I'm not saying that Kelsey's going to fall off a cliff or anything like that, but it does just mean that he might not be as dominant as you need him to be where you're going to draft him. Listen, 
I I could see this, you know, affecting 2023. But would you actually be worried about drafting him in 2022 just because of some rookie wide receivers? Yes. I would but not. Travis like, Kelsey, the guy that yeah. has the only connection still with Patrick Mahomes, yeah. like left on the team. And that's like, it for this Ball Blast like, podcast. We're just going to shut this <laughs> down. Like you really are worried about drafting Travis Kelsey in 2022. Be sure to yeah, leave us a five-star review. You're going to leave us a one-star review now. The <laughs> thing with Travis Kelsey, you already have to draft him uncomfortably high. As we talk about tight ends and the payoff has to be huge. I still don't think, look, nobody's going to take him out in ADP out of like the first round and a half. Like he's still going to be like a second round guy. There's no way I would feel comfortable at that situation. If they add again, one of these top guys, especially two, no way I would feel comfortable taking him in the first four rounds. First four rounds. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. They're not picking the pick 29 and 30. So you would think all of like the top four guys who I think will actually make an impact like really fast. I, I like other guys, obviously mm. that they can grab in the second round, but you know, those top tier guys that could possibly even try to put a dent in what, you know, Tyreek Hill did there, they're probably going to be gone. So you're trying to fill it with some, you know, second tier. They do have draft capital guys. to move up though. So they could yeah, definitely they move do. up because they have so many picks. So that's an option for them too. Yeah, they could. It will be interesting. I'm very excited to see what the Chiefs do during the draft with those two picks. It will be fun. I'm not worried about Travis Kelsey personally. I think uh, maybe if you, you know, if there's some MVS truthers out there somehow, some way, then you might be sweating it out. Uh, but I think you already have your answer, right? Like he's not going to be very good. So there's no reason to sweat it out. Moving on to my second guy, Michael Carter, running back for the Jets. I know you're big on him. Kate likes him a lot. I just want to, I, I think there are a lot of worries going into this draft, right? If, if we get out of this draft, and the Jets don't take a guy in the first three rounds, cool. I am in on Michael Carter next year being an RB2, right? Somewhere finishing in the RB13, RB20 spot. I'm fine with that. But I just don't know if that's going to happen. He was a fourth-round pick in 2021, so not super high draft capital. Small guy. He's only five foot eight, 201 pounds. He never had more than 16 carries in a game last season and had fewer than 12 carries in nine of his 14 games. He wasn't super efficient with the carries he did get, 4.35 yards per carry. Uh, a glaring weakness of his was pass blocking, 42.7 pass blocking grade by PFF last year. He allowed three sacks on just 15 uh, true pass block attempts. That was the most among running backs. Three sacks, that's, that's quite a lot as a running back to allow. And it's just hard to trust a running back out there and put him on the field if you can't trust him in pass blocking. So maybe they do look to get like the dude for that offense that can grow with Zach Wilson, right? I think Michael Carter can be a nice player and he's not going to just lose his job completely. He'll still have some snaps, but I just don't know if he can be that dude of an offense. I think they need someone they can rely on a little bit more. And it's the picks that they have that make me believe this can come true, right? They have picks four and 10. They're not going to use a running back on that. I'm not worried about that. That will, they can use those on positions they truly need to fill to help them, you know, fill their biggest needs. But then they have two picks at the top of the second round. They have the third and the sixth pick at the top of the second round, which that's a prime spot for either Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. 
because both guys might not go in the first. Like I could see no running back going in the first round, but if, you know, if we're looking at the top of the second here and the Jets have their pick at the two best running backs in the draft class, and they still have another pick to use on another hole that they want. Like, I think this would really be nice for Zach Wilson to have a running back that can just ball out. And I think Michael Carter is a decent talent. I don't think he's a great talent. So I could see them upgrading there. I think the interesting thing is though, like they could sort of change the narrative back from Zach Wilson. Like what if they made this a rushing team and drafted a running back and utilized Michael Carter and they they just turn this into a run focused offense. Uh, the head coach came over from the Kyle Shanahan offense, with very run focused, defense focused. What if that's the kind of mold we see them build with the Jets offense? Because if that's the case, and I don't, obviously, we don't know if it is or not. Um, I would say no with the way they're acting this offseason. They're trying to get any of the elite wide receivers they possibly can. Well, I think they, they want, found that if I they want a wide it. receiver one, but they can just grab one at pick 10. Those aren't locks though. No, but uh, similar to uh, like how we value rookie picks in dynasty drafts, you, you should want the sure thing and you should want the safety of a known asset, but that's besides the point. But if they do draft a running back, like what if we do see them focus on the run? Cause I think that would probably be a good thing for the development of Zach Wilson. We've seen Michael Carter work in a committee before, obviously it was a very run heavy committee at UNC, but uh, he was very, very productive alongside Javante Williams. I don't think it has to necessarily be an either or situation. Imagine Michael Carter and Brees Hall, I think this could actually be a pretty productive backfield. I, I think if they spend an early second round pick on a running back, they're going to beat him. And Michael Carter, again, like I said, we'll get some snaps, but it's not a guy that I would rank inside my top 24. Am I wrong? I'm not, as, I'm not as concerned. I think we talked about this maybe a couple episodes ago. I'm not as concerned for a Michael Carter in this situation as I would be for some of these other running backs, I guess, only because I, I think even with more limited snaps, he can still be very productive. We talked about pass catching, which I know you maybe aren't quite as bullish on as I am uh, for that aspect his, of it. But. What his max three receptions with Zach Wilson doesn't get you super excited. It's going to go up. It's going to go up. Uh, but I really do think that in more limited capacity, he'll still be very fantasy relevant. To your point, like top 24, I'd still barely get him in there, but I see your point. I would rank him around like, you know, a Naheem Hines type where when they drafted Jonathan Taylor, he's still going to get his snaps. And maybe even in the beginning of the season, maybe he starts a couple games, right? Until they finally give in to the rookie. Um, so getting, you know, taking the whole share of it, but that's kind of where I would put him is like a Naheem Hines type where when he touches the ball, he looks pretty good. They're going to get him on the field, but also if he can't pass protect, then maybe it's even worse than Naheem Hines because Hines goes in on like all obvious passing situations. So worse than Naheem Hines is the grossest thing you could have said on this podcast, by the way. I just Naheem oh, Hines has been very that. fantasy relevant for a few seasons now. That's not a bad thing. Has he? On and off, he has been and very when fantasy he, relevant. he looks talented when he has the ball in his hands. Like he's a good player. And he he has fantasy relevant times of his career. Okay. 
right. again, if right. we can get out of the draft without the Jets taking anyone, then that's a win. And anyone that's traded for Michael Carter or has him in Dynasty, that's awesome. Or and then I'm willing to, you know, draft him highly, like fourth round and redraft leagues, maybe. I mean, that might be a little high. We'll discuss those rankings after that. But uh, I definitely would be sweating it out if I if I'm counting on Michael Carter doing anything worthwhile in 2022. Kate, who's your last guy here before we wrap things up? I don't know if this is the guy that was puzzling to you or the other guy. No, it was more Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, just because I don't think the draft capital will allow them to. Okay. But like you said, they spent a second rounder in 2-2 Atwell last year. So, oh, no. yeah, they don't give a crap. I, apparently it doesn't matter. I mean, they still won the Super Bowl, so I guess it didn't matter. Yeah, uh, two, couldn't have done it without Tutu Atwell. <laughs> For sure. Um, all right, so my guy, Amonra St. Brown, I, like, I'm just putting out a word of caution because I think after the this like end to the season that we saw with this kid, which was fantastic, by the way, like to close out the season, week 13 on, saw 10 or more targets every single week, had two performances of 100-plus yards, had – touchdowns in five out of the last six games in the season. Like this dude was a monster monster. And it, it feels like we're, we're pretty high on that, which we should be. Um, but I do think that we should just consider for a moment that this team brings in a true X alpha receiver. Amonor St. Brown is a slot receiver. He, did all of his work in the slot. Um, they, they're still missing a dominant asset. You're going to have TJ Hawkinson who DJ Chark, baby. D no, uh, I, I think they still need to make a move in terms of finding their alpha wide receiver. I don't think it's a Monroe St. Brown from the slot. Very successful. Um, but can he actually carry a team and carry an offense? I don't think so. Um, and like that, maybe that's my bias. I wasn't super high on him coming out of the draft. Um, but like for what he was asked to do, absolutely incredible. Uh, in his rookie season, um, just he he did good stuff. But I just think that they're missing a key aspect of their offense. Um, and I worry that they're going to bring in some dominant wide receiver that can play on the outside unlike Amonra St. Brown. And we're going to see a dip in that value, especially once TJ Hawkinson is healthy and he plays out of the slot. I, I think that there's going to be a competition for targets. And I think Amonra St. Brown, in order to sustain that volume that, or the, the production we saw last year, I think he's going to need volume. So this is just like my, my temper expectations um, they've got so much draft capital. Uh, obviously, they've got the second overall pick, the 32nd, uh, the 34th, 66. Like, none of those, I think, are in, like, super prime spots for some of these wide receivers. But depending on how the draft plays out, there are a lot of, like, kind of top-end, like, wide receiver twos that I think could fill that outside receiver role and definitely divert targets. Yeah, I mean, them adding DJ Chark, and if they add a guy here at the top, 
of the draft. That's definitely worrisome for Amon Rossi Brown. Your goal here is for them to think that they've done enough with DJ Chark, right? And they just go into the season with Chark and St. Brown and they're happy with that and maybe draft some guys later. That would be awesome for him. But obviously if they spend one of those top four picks they have, they're all in the top like 35 picks. That could be worrisome for sure. Don't forget guys, Quintez Cephas is coming back this year. So oh, we've already yeah. got a target. <laughs> <competition>. <laughs> All right, that's it for our picks, but I did want to mention some notable guys, you know, that we're not going to get into, but you might be a little bit worried when you're sitting there on draft night about these guys. Devin Singletary, I do think this is the year that the Bills finally pull the plug and draft a running back a little bit earlier. They st- finally got Devin Singletary going. I know, but yeah, I think I'd be a little bit worried. I still think he's going to have a role. But- People finally stopped mocking running backs to the Bills <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> no, I don't think it'll be a first-round pick, but maybe second. I do think they could go wide receiver with the first-round pick, hey. and that's why you got to be a little bit worried about Gabe Davis, who broke out there at the very end of the year. You have no Cole Beasley anymore, no uh, Emmanuel Sanders, so Gabe Davis is supposed to step into this role. But if they take a guy in the first, that would kind of kill that vibe. Miles Sanders. I feel like the Eagles, you know, sneak a little, sneak a little team to grab one of these top running backs uh, in maybe the second round would be interesting. They're so run heavy. May, if they don't believe in Miles Sanders, maybe they go. We talked about this uh, maybe on the last podcast, Antonio Gibson. A little mm-hmm. bit worried that mm-hmm. they're they're looking elsewhere. They've had top thirty visits with multiple. We talk about this on backs. every podcast. I yeah. be concerned. They're they're having those visits with multiple running backs again. You only get thirty, and they're choosing to use those on running backs. It's not like I also don't mean to brag and point this out again, but they re-signed JD McKissick. Yeah, they did, and I just yeah, I I feel like running back isn't a need of theirs, but. It, clearly, they, they're thinking it might be. Darnell Mooney, his is more, I don't really know. Would a wide receiver, if they drafted a wide receiver, would it help him or hurt him? I don't know at this point. I think it depends on the type of receiver that they would pair with him. I think some of these guys could actually help him. But, like, I don't know. If they get somebody with too much overlap to what he does, then uh, I don't like it. I, I'm pretty sure Brian Pringle right now is a wide receiver, too. Like, Darnell Mooney is going to be like quadruple covered every play. I mean, <laughs> like, and he's not even, like, I like Darnell Mooney, but he, like, he should not, he shouldn't be a top option for any offense as a target. And he's going to be. And then there's also no other options right now. So I don't, I, I put him here as a notable mention, but maybe it's more like they don't take a wide receiver. And then he's going to be like, maybe you're rooting for them to take a wide receiver at this point. Uh, Alan Lazard, I think, you know, for sure the Packers are going to take one wide receiver. I think you're sweating it out that they take two early ones, right? If they take a guy in the first or maybe two in the first, or maybe one in the first one in the second, then that's, you at least want Alan Lazard to be the second guy, right? And if they take two, that's looking less likely. And then my last notable mention here, I don't know if you guys have any Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, the Buccaneers just don't have that many holes. And they forced Leonard Fournette to be this pass catcher that he's not really fantastic at. Like he can do it. He's he's all right. They they really tried really hard um, to make Ronald Jones it. That wasn't happening. Then they tried to make Leonard Fournette it. It wasn't happening. But then it finally happened in 2021. But I could see them drafting a guy, you know, in the middle rounds that could be a pass catching running back. And that's pretty much everything that Fournette has to offer us in fantasy. 
Uh, yeah. Do you guys have any notable mentions? Let's see. Uh, uh, An Auden Tate? Does does he have cause for concern? No, I don't have anybody. I love how I took all of the best ones. And then I was like, what, about, what about you guys? Do you just have any off the top what of your head? What about you schlubs? <laughs> no, I think that's about it. We'll get into more draft content as we get closer to the draft. Um, I did want to just mention, you know, just bring up before we close here. Uh, unfortunately, we have to, you know, uh, we're not reporting anything. This has already been reported, but have to say that Dwayne Haskins passed away on Saturday after being struck by a truck in South Florida. He was only 24 years old. Incredibly sad news. He was, you know, a, a husband, a son, a brother, a friend, a teammate. Um, his wife is holding, her name is uh, Calabria. She's holding a celebration of Dwayne's life for anyone who wants um, to go pay respects to Dwayne uh, from 10 to 11 a.m on Friday, April 22nd, that's at Allegheny Center Alliance Church. So if you're in Pittsburgh, PA, um, and you want to attend that, again, that's Friday, April 22nd, uh, from 10 to 11 a.m. at Allegheny Center Alliance Church in Pittsburgh, PA. I just want to say rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. That's it for uh, this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.